Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Wow, applause before I speak. That's a high expectation. <laughs> we started this series last week called Blown Expectations. And uh, last week we discussed the fact that there's a gap between our ex- expectations and our experiences. And that happens in so many different areas of life. And, and really it's in this gap between what you expect to happen and what you actually experience happening that frustration is born. So there's a gap between what you expect in a relationship and what you actually experience. There's a gap between what you expect in your job and what you actually experience at your job. And it's in that gap where so many frustrations and so many disappointments can be born in our lives. And we're we're learning what to do with that gap in in this series, uh, Blown Expectations. Last week we talked about what do you do when your expectations of other people are disappointed? And I hope it was helpful information. I hope it encouraged you. If you missed it, get online, listen to it. Uh, I I really do believe that it's something that can bless each and every one of us. But this week we're going to talk about a a topic that's a little bit heavier, a little bit more serious. And, And we're talking about what do you do when your expectations of God are disappointed. When, when there's a gap between what you expect him to do and what actually takes place in your life. So I want to go ahead and dive back into um, uh, another story we find in John chapter 11, but it's about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Just like, like last week, uh, we're going to continue talking about uh, these three siblings who have a connection, a relationship to Jesus. And we're going to look here in John chapter 11. I'm going to dive right in right now. Are you ready for this? All right, let's do it. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, now this story is actually uh, written about, John uh, refers to it now in chapter 11, but it's actually written about in, in John chapter 12, and it's what we're going to be covering in part three of the expectation gap, and that is what to do when you don't meet the expectations of other people. So you don't want to miss that either. I know that that's something that's really ministered to me uh, as well. But it says this in verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory, uh, for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. So Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. See, there are a lot of details that John wants us to know uh, just in these couple of verses right here. First off, that uh, he wants us to understand that, that Lazarus is, is the brother of Mary and Martha, so he's, he's got connections. He's not just connected uh, to a couple people who hang out with Jesus, but he's connected to Jesus uh, closely as well. There's a relationship there. So they have served with him. They've served him. They've, they've had him hang out at their house together. And, and because of all that, we know that there's a connection to the point to where when, when they have a problem and Lazarus gets sick, they immediately know what to do. 
They're like, send for Jesus, because Jesus can do something about this. So send for him right now. Go tell him that Lazarus is sick. And they are so confident in their relationship with Jesus. They're so confident in their connection with him that, that they actually don't even call Lazarus by name. When they send the message to Jesus, they say, hey, Jesus, the one you love is sick. That's some confidence right there. That's some boldness to not even sign your name to the paper, right? To say, hey, Jesus, it's your homie over here. Like, like I'm part of your crew and I'm sick, so I expect you to show up now, right? What, what we're learning about immediately here is that that Lazarus has a connection to Jesus. Mary and Martha have a connection to Jesus. And since they're greatly connected to him, they know exactly what to do. They say, they say Jesus is gonna show up. See, what, what is John doing here in chapter 11? He, he wants us to understand that there is an expectation that Mary and Martha have on Jesus. Now, let me ask you, in your life, who are the people that you hold the highest expectations of? For me, I could break it into two categories. For me, the two categories, number one would be the people that I've done the most for. It, those are the people that I hold a high expectation of, right? If, I, if I've served you more, if I've done more for you, like if, if I helped you move your house and you borrowed my truck when it was time for you to move, then don't let me be the one that you're like, no, you're busy when it's time for me to move, no. Uh, uh I expect that if I did for you, then certainly you're going to come around. I mean, don't leave me hanging here, right? So we put an expectation of people that we've served, right, that we've done more for. The, the second category would be I hold a high expectation of those who have done the most for me. Like I have a track record with them that they always come through. They always do something for me. I mean, my kids from a very early age, do you recognize? My kids never ask me to feed them. They just simply tell me that they're hungry, right? Because they expect it. They know we have a track record that from, from the beginning, when, before they could even speak, they would, they would just make these noises, these loud, continual noises. And, and, it, and it led to the fact that they, they were fed and they had this understanding that if I just bring it to dad, he always comes through. So there's an expectation there. They don't come up and say, dad, would you feed me? They say, dad, I'm hungry. And they know that just by bringing it to me that there's gonna be a good result here, that, that they're gonna get fed. So it falls into these two categories. I hold a higher expectation of people that I've done the most for and people that do the most for me. Now, I say that because for Mary and Martha, Jesus would fall into both of these categories, right? Jesus has served Mary and Martha. He's come to their house and taught them. He's, yeah, he, he's done miracles in their presence. They, they've seen that he's always come through. So they have a track record that Jesus comes through. He heals people. He teaches us. He, he encourages us. And, and the flip side of that is they have also served him. They've been the ones, when, when Jesus is coming to town and they're like, uh, hey, we need someone to volunteer and serve. They're like, write me down, put me on the list. I'm gonna be the first one. Put me in that classroom, sign me up for that team because I wanna be the one that serves Jesus. And, and they open their home and we talked about last week how Martha served Jesus and he, he, she would cook for him and open her house and host him. So Jesus falls into both of these categories. John is setting up this expectation that you and I can understand that 
since obviously I serve him and obviously he's good and always comes through, uh, for, has always come through for us in the past and certainly he's gonna do something great. So we would expect that the story should go. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, then he immediately jumped up and ran to Lazarus's house and put hands on Lazarus and healed Lazarus. All right, that's what I expect. Because John's building up the expectation here that obviously there's a track record. I mean, of course he would come through. If Jesus could do something, of course he would come through. But if you've ever read the story, you know what I just said is not true. Jesus didn't just jump up and, and run to Bethany. He, he didn't go to meet a friend who was hurting. He didn't go to meet a friend who was sick. And, and that creates disappointment. Because now I read this story and it, it, this already just reading it, it's like, why, why John, are, are you telling me that, that there's a relationship? Why are you telling me that there's a connection? Why are you telling me that Martha has served Jesus, that, uh, that she had been good? She was trying to do it the way Jesus wanted her to. Why would you tell me all that just to show me that, that later the Bible shows us that, that Jesus blows their expectations? That you should have showed up, but we see here in the very next verse, in verse 6, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. See, now I'm confused. It's like, John, you just spent five verses getting my hopes up. You know, I'm expecting to see a miracle from Jesus right now. I'm expecting to see his, his compassion in action right now. I mean, we know that this is a friend of Jesus, someone who loves him, someone who shows up to church on Sunday and worship him, someone who wears a cross and the WWJD bracelet, and I'll talk to you about Jesus in the hallway. Like, I'm ready because I'm hooked up. I'm one of his homies. Like, I'm ready. Why, John, are you telling me? Because if he could have showed up and he didn't, now I'm disappointed. I had an expectation of Jesus and, and he didn't show up. Because the Bible uses the word yet. It says yet when he heard, yet when he heard. See, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, yet when he heard, he stayed. He loved them, he heard that they had a problem, and he stayed where he was. See, that's not how you do it, Jesus. Like, <laughs> let me give you a little lesson on it because my expectation is like, I, I, you love me, I've helped you, I've served you, all this has gone down, so like you hear I have a problem, uh, it, you should jump to and get here and help me. Right? I mean, I think that that's what all of us as Christ followers feel sometimes. It's like, really, I don't think that's how you should handle it, Jesus. You probably should get up and go. I mean, they're your friends after all. You know them. Yet when he heard, he stayed. And the Bible says he stayed where he was for two more days. And, and I think what's even more frustrating about the fact that he stayed there is the fact that we already know something else about Jesus. Matthew chapter 8 shows us that Jesus wouldn't even have to go lay hands on Lazarus. He could just speak a word and Lazarus could be healed. Because there's a Roman um, a centurion who, uh, who had a, a servant who was sick. And Matthew chapter 8 records a story where Jesus didn't go to heal the servant. He just spoke the word and the her servant was healed exactly where he was. So what do you do when the God who has the last word doesn't speak on your behalf? Ooh, that's disappointing. Certainly not what I expected. 
Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, okay, two more days. Now it's too late. He's waited too long. He said to his disciples, now let's go back to Judea. <laughs> like, wait, wait a minute, okay? But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're gonna go back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by the day will not stumble, for he sees by his, this world's light. It is when he walks at night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus. Wait, is our friend Lazarus. So, so Jesus does still love him. It's not like Lazarus did anything to tick him off, like, like they're still in good standings. Jesus is referring to him right now as our friend. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there and wake him up. And his disciples replied, but Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. You <laughs> feel like, man, you are just not getting it right now. It's, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. <laughs> That's a little bit dramatic, don't you think? <laughs> It's like next time one of your friends starts a little drama, just call him Didymus. Say, all right, Didymus, all right, all right, Diddy, that's a little bit much today. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Why four days? Well, we know that according to Jewish custom, people believe that a person could appear to be dead but not really be dead and still get back up after two days. But on the third day, they're saying it's done, it's over. Like, like there's no more, nothing more that can happen. And, and we see here that Jesus shows up on the fourth day because, uh, I, and I, I'm gonna say this from a scriptural point, but I hope you understand this on a very personal point, is sometimes God will wait until you understand that your circumstance is completely over before he starts doing the work that only he can do. Because he's not gonna allow his glory to be just given to, ooh, that was an interesting coincidence. Oh, it's neat that things just worked out together. Sometimes when God works, he works in a way where you go, wait a minute, there's no other explanation. This was over, it was dead and gone. There's no other explanation than the fact that Jesus stepped in and Jesus did something about this. I'm in debt to Jesus for this because you didn't do it. No, no circumstances changed it. The economy didn't change it. Only God could have done something. And on day four, everyone looked up and realized it's over. It's over. And now we're disappointed because, wait a minute, as we're reading this story, if you remember, Jesus just said a few minutes earlier, this sickness will not end in death, and then it does. Jesus said, it's not gonna end in death, and then Lazarus dies. This statement may be a little bit offensive to you, a little bit scandalous even, but I hope you understand that following Jesus can be disappointing at times. I know that makes some of you in this room very comfortable. You're like, wait, finish the sentence. No, that, that's it. Following Jesus can be very disappointing at times. I can remember um, 
this feeling that many of you have had. Have you ever gone to the store and bought something and it looked great in the store and then you get home and you're like, whoa, that's not what I expected at all. Like I can remember going to a store one time and all the, the people that worked there, they were doing their job. They were convincing me how great it was. And, and I tried on a shirt. It was a striped shirt. And they're like, you look amazing in that. You look like a stud. You look awesome. Your wife's going to love it. It's going to be amazing. And they have the lighting just right. Everything's just perfect in the store. And I felt good about myself. Everywhere I went, there was another employee like, you look good in that. You should buy that. Take it home today. I went home. I pulled it out of the bag, put it on in my closet, walked out and saw myself in my own mirror. And it was not what I expected. I'm like, whoa, I look like a pregnant zebra right now. And like, that is not what I, what I, I when, it, when I was in the store, I had a different experience, but now I got home and it's not working for me the way I expected it to. And I want you to understand, I hope you never hear that when you follow Jesus, you're never going to be disappointed. And I hope you never hear that the, when you start a relationship with God, everything's going to just always be perfect and fine. And, and there's going to be like, like rainbows and sunshine everywhere. It's going to be amazing. Because what happens is you'll get home and tragedy will strike your life. And you'll go, wait, wait a minute. I don't think this is working out for me the way that I heard on a Sunday, the way that I heard in that church. So I, I don't know if this really looks good on me like it did in the store. And see, all through Scripture, we see that, that the Bible shows us that, that Jesus disappointed people over and over again. In fact, many of you, you already know the end of the story. We already said it. We, we know that Lazarus is raised from the dead, but think about it from Mary and Martha's perspective for a moment, because to Mary and Martha, Lazarus is dead. They don't know what's going to happen next. They know that they loved their brother, that Jesus loved their brother, and now their brother's dead. And, and they find themselves in this situation where there's a gap between what they expected God to do and what God actually did. They said, I expected you to show up. I expected you to be here. But what you really did is you just stayed where you were. And they were disappointed, frustrated with God. Jesus has a track record of, of disappointing people in Scripture. We see that, that people expected Jesus to be born of like a prominent family. Um, nope. He was born to a teenage virgin from a hick town, right? He expected to be born in a palace. Nope, a shed outside of a, of a holiday inn, right? Like, we, we see that all throughout Scripture, what people wanted to happen was not the same. Like, he, even as Jesus was growing up as a child, like, uh, he, he disappeared for a couple days, and his parents were freaking out, and they couldn't find him. When they finally found him, he was arguing with rabbis, they were disappointed with him. They scalded him publicly because, because Jesus' actions don't always line up exactly with what we expect. It, it, he was teaching in a synagogue one time, and people started going, wait a minute, wait a minute. He came from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, like He's not what we expected of him. He's not what we expected him to do. And, and there's so many times in scriptures we see that we put expectations of God on him. And, and when we go through that discipline, disappointment there's a struggle there's a struggle there and when when Jesus begins to explain that he's going to go to Lazarus right away he gives us insight into his plan he has a plan of what he was going to do in Lazarus's life and, and let me explain this to you this is where it gets so frustrating in life is when my plan does not match up with God's plan when when I have a picture of the way I think things should work out and God has a different picture and, and, and it gets so frustrating, but see, he had a perspective 
that we don't have. Jesus said to his disciples, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So, so Jesus had a different perspective on the story. He was seeing something that no one else was seeing. He was going, there's something bigger to this than Lazarus just being sick and dying right now. And you're all gonna understand later, but not, not right now. You just gotta trust me that I have a perspective on this that you don't have. I can remember hunting with my father before and, and I was going after some elk and he was on another hillside watching me through binoculars and I, I looked back and he's standing up waving at me and he's pointing, like, go that way, go that way. And I'm like, no, they're right over here. And he's like, pointing that way, that way because he was back in a place where he saw the whole picture and he knows that the elk herd had moved. It was going in a different direction. He was trying to show me that he could see that, that my plan was not the right plan. And there are so many times in life that we get so frustrated with God because we're going, God, you need to do it a certain way. I want you to, to cooperate with me. And we forget the fact that God is standing on high and he sees everything and he's going, you've got to turn and follow me because you don't understand that your plan is not gonna work out for you. He has a perspective and he's trying to explain to his disciples, listen, there, there's something bigger going on here. We've gotta look to the fact that God has a perspective and his perspective always includes his priorities. And his priorities here, let's just talk about this for a minute because we see in verse 18, we know that Jesus was late. But just because Jesus was late, that doesn't mean it's the end of the story. Verse 18 says, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. So she's upset, she's angry, she's disappointed, she's hurt, but she goes out to meet with Jesus. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Let's pause for a second because Martha is stuck between two continuums here. She's stuck focusing on the past, that God, if you would have been here, things could have worked out different, and I think a lot of us do that. God, if, if you would have kept me from losing my job, if you would have kept me from losing my marriage, then things would be different. If, if I would have been raised in a different home, if I wouldn't have had to go through that, that financial struggle, that divorce, that sickness, whatever. God, if things would have been different in the past, then I'd be fine now. And then, then she's stuck in the continuum of the future where she's saying, God, I know that in the future you can make things work out. See, the devil loves it when we get stuck between these two polarities. That, that in the past there's something that could happen and in the future there's something that can happen and completely missing the fact that right now, right now, right now, Martha is standing right in front of Jesus. And somehow she, she's able to gain this perspective as, as she's wrestling in her mind going, in the, if you would have been here in the past or if you could do something in the future, but, but she's looking at him and it comes to her mind because she said, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now, even now, see, I can't do anything about the past, I can't do anything about the future, but even now, if you are standing here in front of me, Jesus, you can do something. And, and, and if you're standing here, 
I might not understand how it's all supposed to come together, but there's still a chance for you to turn this horrible situation into something good. And she didn't know that Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead. Her trust was in that, but she was recognizing the fact that if God's here, it's not over yet. The greatest sports moment I've ever experienced in person, 15 years ago, Amelie and I were at an avalanche game, and uh, the game went into overtime, and as overtime was winding down, it came down to a point where there's just a couple seconds left on the clock, and, and, and we're looking at each other, like, look at all the crowd, I don't know if we should be here or whatever still, and then and we're like, let's go ahead and stay, and I, should we work towards the door and maybe watch from the hallway, I, I don't know, and, and, and we ended up getting, getting to this point where it's like, oh, they, they drop the puck again, it's going, there's just a couple seconds left, we're watching, watching. With 0.2 seconds left on the clock, Dan Hino comes in and, and, and makes a slap shot from center ice, scores, and we win, and it was incredible. It wasn't a playoff game, but I'll tell you, it acted like a playoff game because everyone was like partying and, and yelling and screaming. It was wonderful, it was electric, it was amazing, and I'm telling you, I almost missed it because I was stuck between these two continuums. That if they would have done some things earlier in the game, this would have been a good game and we could have won. And, and you know what, now I'm thinking about the future and I don't wanna be stuck in the parking lot for three hours, so should we get out right now and get in the car and start driving back to the hotel because after all, it's gonna be like one o'clock in the morning before we get to the hotel right now, should we just go? And I almost missed what was still happening. And let me tell you, so many people allow their dreams to die stuck between two thieves. Uh, the, the thief of, uh, of something should have happened in the past or something should have happened in the future. But let me tell you, if there's still time on the clock, never let go of the fact that even now, Jesus can still do something. That it doesn't matter how difficult it, whatever you just went through was, he can still take your difficulty in. And I'm not saying he's gonna raise everything back to life. I'm not saying he's gonna bring every marriage back together. I'm not saying he's gonna turn your everything. But what I'm saying is that if he's there, it's not over yet. My main point, and I hope you will understand this and take this home today, is that my trust is not in something. My trust is in someone. Martha stands in front of him and says, even now, even now, because the situation died, but he's still here. The job might have been lost, but he's still here. The marriage might be over, but, but he's still here. And if he's still here, there's still time on the clock. And Martha says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. It must have taken every bit of faith that she had to muster up those words. As she went out to him with all of her pain and all of her disappointment, she met him at the gate. Might I suggest that maybe the scene of your greatest disappointment could be the scene of God's greatest miracle in your life? That for some of you, you've, you've been avoiding him. You've been staying inside the house. You've been avoiding any conversations about God, anything about moving forward, because after all, he's disappointed you. There was something you expected him to do, and he didn't do it. And we see that Martha musters up the courage, musters up the faith that she has to go out to the gate and say, I, I'm mad at you, I'm disappointed, I'm hurt. You should have done something, but, but you know what? I, I understand the story isn't over yet, that you can still turn the tragedies that I've gone through in my life into something beautiful and into something special. So even now, you can do something. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that. Wait. He said, do you believe this? And she goes, yes, Lord, I, I believe that. You are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into this world. He's asking her, do you believe that that I can do something to change your situation now. And she doesn't say, I don't believe that. What I believe is that, I don't believe this. I believe that you are God. Because after all, my expectations have already been blown. I had a way, a plan of what I thought was gonna happen and it didn't work out that way. But what my trust is in is my trust is in the fact that you are still God. You're still in control. And Lazarus died and, and here I am now with my expectations being blown, but I, I still put my trust in you. I'm gonna stand face to face with you and show you my disappointment and show you my anger and show you that as mad as I am, I still trust you. Church, let me ask you, why didn't Jesus heal Lazarus? Why didn't Jesus heal Lazarus? Because what I truly believe is that every time God disappoints my expectations, it's an opportunity for him to reveal more about his identity to me. Because catch this church, before this story happened where Lazarus died, Mary and Martha already knew Jesus. They knew him as a good man, they knew him as a teacher, they knew him as a healer, so that's why they called on him. He's a healer. He can do something about this. He, he's a teacher. He can teach us what we did wrong to get here in the first place. Like We call on Jesus. He, they already knew that about him, but it was only after God disappointed them and allowed Lazarus to die that Jesus was able to come forward and introduce a new aspect of his life to him where he said, now you need to know I'm not just a healer. I'm not just a teacher. I am the resurrection and the life. Church family, if God always meets your expectations, he'll never have the chance to blow your expectations. Each day we wake, constantly trying to put into context what could or would be possible, given our most recent struggle not knowing if we even have the muscle to pull ourselves out of bed, the dread weighing down on the shoulders like a slow smolder. The expectations in my own mind wind around in my prayers in the dark. I start looking at my life through my eyes and I'm just trying not to capsize. With the size of the day that's in front of me, I feel like I know what I need. And if I have not because I ask not, then why not ask God to meet the needs in front of me? to be the God I've known him to be, to be the God I've already seen, yet day after day, the struggle is the same. Is it possible there's more to this moment? Is it possible that God is doing something different? Can I trust this discernment? Because I expect him to move, to consume the mountain that lay in front of me and my family. But it's not the same game, this new chains. It, it comes with chains of disappointment of sorrow and regret, sadness, let down these expectations of God lay unmet. 
But the truth is God is not limited by human expectations of him. I am limited by a human view of a God who cannot be exaggerated. He cannot be overstated. He is always larger, greater, better, best. He's more loving, hopeful, and faithful than the rest. He far outweighs anything we could ever think, hope, or imagine. And when we find ourselves stagnant and unmotivated, with a lack of passion, blinded by the chasm of disappointment, stirred by expectations that we've placed on God in our own life, He still stands. He stands there, a path made wide by a red tide that was cast aside. He stands there, a sword in hand, fighting for my promised land. He stands there in the hospital room, a resurrection to come soon because God won't stop when what we expect was unmet. God won't stop at a financial blessing when there could be a heart repairing. God won't stop at religion when there could be relationship. God won't stop at a wedding when there could be a lifelong connecting. And God won't stop at a healing when there could be a resurrecting. You see, my God takes what I believe to be an expectation that was unmet and he multiplies what I need by a hundred. He will blow your mind at exactly the right time. And even now, he's poised to shine. Even now, he's on his way. Even now, he's calling out. So let the dead come to life inside your mind as you receive not what you expected to see, but a new perspective on what could be. family, would you stand to your feet with me? We see that in this story, Martha gave us such a great example because as hurt as she was, as disappointed as she was, she chose to take her pain, to take uh, her greatest pain, her greatest hurt, her greatest disappointment. She went out and she met Jesus at the gate. What I want to encourage you to do is that I know there are so many of you in this room that you have gone through some incredible pain. You've lost loved ones. You've, you feel like you've lost dreams. There have been hopes in your life that you feel like you have died and, and you've wondered why you've gone through this disappointment. I think there's, to be honest, there'd be a lot of us in this room that say, yeah, I, I've experienced that. I felt disappointed with God. But what I want to encourage you to do is take this example that Martha has given us. And, and if you need to cry, cry. If you need to get angry, get angry. But go out to the gate and bring it to Jesus. Don't leave his presence. Because in his presence, there's still time on the clock. In his presence, he can still take a tragedy and turn it into a triumph. He can still take your pain and turn it into something beautiful. So with no one looking around, if you bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to ask you, because I want to pray for you before we dismiss right now. If you've been in any season of your life, if you found yourself in a place where you felt like God has just disappointed your expectations and things didn't work out the way you wanted to, I want you to be honest and just put your hand up so we can pray for you today. The answer for Martha was not that she had the circumstances figured out. It was that she knew who to put her trust in. So I want to encourage you right now in your own words as I pray for you to take that deepest pain, to take that disappointment right to the feet of Jesus. So Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, you see us right now admitting that God, we've, we've put some expectations out there that have caused pain in us, that we've, we've been hurt, God, because we expected something to happen. And the truth is, we acknowledge right now, we don't know what your plan is, but what we know is that we trust in you. 
And God, some things didn't turn out in our lives the way that we wanted them to, but what we know is that we trust in you. So even now, you can still do something with my life. Even now, you can still awaken joy. Even now, you can still awaken hope. Even now, you can close the door on depression and anxiety and fear. Even now, you can give us dreams again. Even now, you can bring back our marriage. Even now, you can give us jobs that give us wisdom. Even now, God, you can still move. So our trust is in you and we, we just bring you our pain. We bring you our hurt and we ask you, God, to heal it. We don't know what you will do, but our trust is in you. I thank you for each and every person here and as we take this journey to be changed, to understand how to move through this gap of our expectations being different than our experience, that God, you would strengthen us through it. So thank you for each and every person here. I pray that you'd heal us this week, emotionally, spiritually, physically, guide us in everything we do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give our God a shot of praise. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.